title this morning of our, our sermon is a very simple one, and I wrestled with it in many ways, but it has to be personal to you this morning. And it simply lists, the Lord Jesus Christ is my shepherd. The Lord Jesus Christ is my shepherd. And I trust that's true for you this morning. This past week alone, from Saturday to now, I've been part of two, or sorry, three funerals and one wedding. That's not including tomorrow. And what I've discovered for myself this last perhaps month, uh, more than ever, is the great wrestle that there is for the souls of men. The great battle that goes on within each of our lives, our minds, our situations. And I thought I had a deeper understanding of them things, but just to put it very simply, I realized of late there's a whole different battle going on that we can't even see, but we experience. And I want to just look at the psalm this morning, the 23rd psalm, and remind us this morning of that great shepherd. Perhaps for some of you this morning, you're crying out desperate to see for yourself that shepherd. Maybe you knew him very well of late and you feel he's distant this morning. That's the very reason I want to take us to this psalm this morning. Perhaps you're in a place this morning where you're just in a good place and you're loving life and you're loving the Lord Jesus Christ and you're here to simply worship him. Well, thank the Lord, the, the psalmist for that too, because the Lord is our shepherd. He's my shepherd and I shall not want. So listen, church, I'm going to do my best to lead uh, what's been laid in my heart I'm going to give to you this morning. But the ultimate aim of this is to remind you this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, that there is a shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is with you and guiding you this morning. Amen. He is with you and guiding you this morning. The, the spiritual eye or the physical eye is nothing compared to the spiritual eye, if we can just get a glimpse of him. Let us read this psalm together. Though many of you could recite it without even turning to it, but nonetheless, let us read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And he restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And this verse 6, perhaps one of the greatest verses within Scripture. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. A man by the name of Charles Stanley said this. He says, Satan will do all he possibly can do to remind you of your past sin. He will tell you the Lord is very disappointed in you and with you. But never believe a word of this, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And this is something that perhaps we suffer with much within our life. We, we think about who we are, perhaps even worse, who we once were. The things that we have done and the many regrets that we have behind us. But we need to be reminded that, that those who are in Christ, all things are new. We have a new present, we have a new future, and the past has been gone, it's been wiped out. The 23rd Psalm has been written some 3,000 years ago. It's quite a number of years by King David himself. This Psalm has helped many people in difficult times within their life. It guides the believer through the many, many difficulties that they will face in life. Psalm 23 brings comfort in death, but also brings much comfort in life. 
What I observe for myself about this psalm is that it speaks into our souls. It reassures us of the providence of God, and that is something to be remembered. Think of verse 6 again and take hold of this as a personal promise to all who know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. It's not just a bit of literature. It's a promise for all who know the Lord this morning as their Savior. Here's the promise for you. Surely goodness and mercies will follow you all the days of your life. And then when life is over, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a twofold promise of, of God for his church. It speaks of present favor and it speaks of eternal favor. So our first thought to help us this morning, where I feel we need to go, is to deal with our past. So we need to deal with our past. That's one, isn't it? It's much easier to leave the past in the past and deal no more with it. Surely it'll go away itself, but I'm sure... As I've noticed, you've noticed, it doesn't normally deal with itself. It has to be dealt with. A man by the name of David Walsh said this, What can we learn from our past that equips us for our future? So I asked the question, what can we learn from our past that equips us for our future? It's a good question. What is it that has happened to us that we have done that we can learn from and make sure we do something different now in the present and in the future? And what we know about this psalm it's quite clear that when David sat down to write the 23rd Psalm, what we, we can really see very quickly is that he began to look back over his life, over his past. And as he did, there was something that he began to grasp. He began to grasp the, the providence that I've spoke about, but he realized that, that something that really would help him go on in the things of God. Because here's what he did. As he looked back over his life, I've come to some conclusions. If I was David looking back, one of the first things that I would notice about my life was the many victories that I had. Because David was a man of war, but he wasn't a bad man of war. Do you know some people go to war and they just make a really poor job of it? David was mighty. If David was coming against us, listen, friends, we would just put the flag up and say we pledge allegiance. It's just easier. You were not going to beat him. Very unlikely. He was a man, a successful man of war. And if I was him, my wee heart would be warm this morning. Didn't I do well? Now, if I was him, David never spoke to that, but he had many, many victories. And as he looked over his life, I wondered as he considered the many good parts, what about the regrets? What about some of the bad parts? Because they're always there, aren't they, to spoil the good parts? David was a man of God. In other words, he was saved from a young age, if you like. And there was a time in David's life where many of you already know that he had blood in his hands. Yes, man of God, but he had blood in his hands. We all know the story where he plotted to have Uriah, Uriah, Uriah murdered, that he committed adultery with Bathsheba, who would later conceive a child. And through that whole account, the one thing that we noticed is that many, many people suffered at the hands of David's actions. But David himself suffered the consequences of his actions, mainly with the death of the young child. Now, this was a dark time in David's life. He was living a lie. And that's what I want to bring out this morning to you. He had done some ungodly acts in secret. But the situation just become worse and worse. Why? Because David continued to pretend he was walking with the Lord. And that can be a great danger. What David did was unthinkable, even in the pagan world who did many unthinkable things. 
But here's what I see. David had to deal with his past before he could ever move on in his life. And that could be true for you this morning. There could be something in your past that you keep trying to bury, but it keeps being pushed up to the top. And that means it has to be dealt with. Perhaps it's it's stopping you from going on and really enjoying yourself in life. You know, some people, because of their past, they just cannot allow themselves to be happy in the present. You know what I mean by that? Maybe you're that person this morning, that because of your past, whether it was your fault or not your fault or some bad decisions or somebody else's bad decisions, what you will find is no matter how many good things come your way, you just cannot allow yourself to be happy. That's not the will of God. That's a big sign to say, listen, you need to deal with the past because it's robbing you of the joy that is in your life at this present. And this is what happened to David. David had to deal with his past before he could ever move on in his life. And God is wonderful because God sent his man, the prophet Nathan, to go to David. And we know when Nathan came, we understand what Nathan, Nathan stands for as a prophet. He stands for the word of God. He was a man who brought the living word with him. So when we think of Nathan, we think of the word of God being preached. And when, when Nathan come to David, David fell to his knees and he repented of his actions. Now you can read about this for yourself in Psalm 51 if you would like. But in that psalm, David begins to deal with his past. And his words that are found in Psalm 51, they're keys. What are the keys to? They're keys to forgiveness in your life. They're keys to blessing in your life. They're keys to help you move on in your own personal life with God. All who are bound by sin and deception today, whether saved or unsaved, can look to Psalm 51 and find freedom for themselves. But one can't be freed from their past unless they deal with it now in their present. There's an interesting verse in, in Psalm 51. It's Psalm 51 verse 6. I want to just read it to you this morning. And this is what David writes, and this comes from a personal conviction of God in his own life. And it said this, surely you desire truth in the inmost being. See that? Surely you desire truth in the inmost being, that's where we hide things. That's where we pretend we're grand when we're not really that grand. And what I see with that is that David, he tried, of course he did, he tried to hide his actions, he tried to get out of it, he did. All that me and you and I would do as well to try and cover our tracks and get back to the way it was before we made these mistakes, but we can't. And David tried to hide his sin. And what he learned was this, to, to be living in sin was to allow falsehood reside within him. And that's a dangerous thing because once we open the door to one lie, well, we all know what happens. We have to tell another 50 lies just to keep on top of that one lie. And I don't know about you, but my memory could not cope with any more than two, truth being not even any more than one. But this is what we see here. David began to lie and, and to cheat and, and, and these, this falsehood took residence within him. But church, this morning, let us learn from David. Because here's the thing, we don't have to hide this morning. Because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. That's for the church. Why does God say that to the church? Because you and I make many, many mistakes. Many times we, maybe through our actions, through our words, or, or something that we do, we do not perhaps mean to do, we, we need grace. We quite easily can step off that wee narrow road 
onto that big broad road. And, and the best thing is there's, there's always an exit. He is faithful and just. For all who would acknowledge and confess, he will forgive. But let us not hide behind pretense. Because pretense is something that we all learn to we all learn at a very young age. Hide behind something, but tend. To live in sin and to continue to worship God is simply foolish. It would lead us to all types of sorrow, as David himself found out. So what does God require of you and I this morning in one simple verse? Well, David says it. He desires truth in our innermost being. We know that. We can sense that this morning. That's all he desires of us. He doesn't desire our money. He doesn't desire all our hard work, although it's all good and acceptable and pleasant. But what he really desires is truth within us. And God sends his word to, to set the captive free, whether you're saved or not this morning. The word of God is for you. And David, realizing that deceit had replaced truth within him, we, we read that he repented and God restored him and the favor of God was put back into his life. But here's the thing that I see. See, God gave David victory over his enemies. And there were many. There was the Philistines, there was the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Syrians. And listen, the list just goes on. The many ones that he, that he conquered and fought against. But listen, there was a greater victory in, in David's life. And it's in your life this morning if you're saved. God gave David victory over his sin through repentance towards God and confession. And that's one of the greatest things that we can remember this morning. We don't have victory when we're living in falsehood, do we? We don't have victory when we're living in pretense, pretending to be something that we were but no longer are because of what we've allowed into our life. And there's no greater thing than to just set yourself free. Cast off pretense. Acknowledge your sin to God. Repent of it. And get back into that place of victory that comes through confession unto God. And as David looked back, he began to realize that even when he had strayed, now, should we say that this morning? Even when David had backslidden in some sense, God was with him. And by the way, we should say that this morning. Because many of us, many times, can backslide like that. Something can happen or, or not happen or something can be said or a cold stream can flood our souls all of a sudden. And we can find ourselves in a very difficult place, somewhat of a cold place. But as David looked back during even these cold streams in his life, what he realized that God was indeed with him. That's what he realized for himself. And the problem is you and I have to realize for ourselves. Being told it from a pulpit is no good. We have to encounter that for ourselves. And David did as he looked back over his life. Christian, don't think if you've strayed back a wee bit in your life today with your walk with God, that God has forgiven or forsaken you because he simply hasn't. It's not true. God had remained faithful even when David was unfaithful. And this is a God that you and I serve this morning. You know something, as I consider David the great king, I realize something that you and I, we're not kings. We're not queens. But we serve the same God. And the Bible tells us, and we would likely find it hard to believe, that, that God shows no favoritism to the household of faith. It's not a wonderful thing to be told, but a very difficult thing to believe. Consider all of them faithful men and women that went before us, who maybe are around us. And, and we could ever think for one minute that God looks at you and I equally, 
as he looks at other people. The Apostle Peter struggled with these truths himself. You can read about it at home in Acts 10. Peter struggled to accept that God did not show favoritism. The simple reason in his theology was this, that the gospel was only for the nation of Israel. That's it. If you're not Jewish this morning in Peter's eyes, you were never going to be saved. You're lost in your sin without hope. That's it. Sorry. But that was not the truth. And later on we see that, that Peter gets a, a revelation from God in, in chapter 10, verse 34. I'm going to quote the NIV for this bit because it says it lovely. It says, the words of Peter, Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. You see, he had to find it out for himself. But in the eyes of God, each believer is equal, each one is treasured, and each one is valued. And David had a, a, himself had a questionable past, but so too do many believers have questionable pasts. Sometimes when a past comes out about a man or woman of God, everybody begins to panic and say, this is going to darken the name of the gospel. This man used to do this in his young age. This man was a terrorist. Well, thank the Lord. Look what he is now, a man or woman of God. Let us not hide from our past, but let us not boast about it either. But let us look back and consider what God has done for us and celebrate what we are now through Christ. So we need to deal with our past. That's our first thought. Look for God in it, for our past will help us press on in the present with God. The second thought is that we should learn from our past. And what I see is this, that David didn't shy away from his past. It's tempting sometimes, to be honest, to shy away from our past, isn't it? Anybody feel like that this morning, that you just rather forget that it wasn't there? Well, it was there. And some things happened that we rather didn't happen, or we experienced things that we wish we never experienced. And all these things are true for all of us in many, many different ways. We need to learn from our past, and that'll help you deal with your past. He didn't shy away from it. He looked to it, looked back to it. I want to encourage you to do that this morning and see if you can see God and, and then see what you can learn from that to help you in the present. Because David done so, and by doing so, he was able to see first and foremost that God was with him. You know, it's hard to see the hand of God in our present, isn't it? But when we sit still for a moment and look back, we can often see that God with us in our past. When David looked back over his life, he noticed something, that even in the darkest of valleys, when he believed that God was absent, he realized that God wasn't absent. But at the time, he felt very absent. But as he looked back to them dark, dark valleys, in times of great despair, when he questioned God, he realized that God was with him, but he had to look back. He couldn't see at the time. And he observed that in the day of trouble, that God had saved them, for instance, from the lion and the bear. We know this. That, that other times when he was cast out even from Jerusalem, that, that God led him through this time of great wilderness. Where to? Well, obviously the safety of green pastures that David speaks about. These are analogies, but it's real things that David experienced. The words, the Lord's my shepherd, are very easy to say. But I believe it's only when we pass through the day of trouble, them valleys, that we fully understand what it means, the weight of what it means to say the Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord can be our shepherd, but we can lead ourselves, can't we? 
We can say the Lord is my shepherd, but you know something? I know a wee bit better. And I know what I'm going to do and how I'm going to handle this situation. And I know what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do, because this is what I know to be true. You see, it's a very different thing when we are so helpless that we can do nothing but trust him. And then say the Lord is my shepherd. When we find ourselves lost in life, only for, for him to lead us back to a place of a sound mind and security. Because when we're lost, we've no sound mind. We find ourselves cold in spirit. We're, we're not in a place of security. But when he leads us back to that place through the wilderness and back to that place, it's then we begin to understand the role of the great shepherd. We read about David's past in 1 Samuel. We know about David was a young man, he's a young shepherd. We know that he took a stand for God as a young man against the giant Goliath. He took a stand in a time when others stood back. That's worth mentioning, isn't it? The whole of Israel stood by and watched as God was mocked and as everybody shied away. But it was this young man was different. You could be that young man today. You could be that young woman today. If there's ever a time where a stand was needed, I suggest it's today. But David was a young man who took a stand for God, and for that I admire him. And in 1 Samuel, we read something about the state of the church, if you like, in that time. It says, When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Fear had entered the hearts of these mighty men of God. I think I've shared this before. The reason for this is simply this, that their leader, Saul, was filled with fear. He feared man more than he feared God. And as this was going on, we, we see the young David bringing food to his brothers. He heard this Goliath mock. And that very day, something sat in the heart of David that would lead to him killing that giant. David learned from his past victories, remember this, that God was with him and that he could be trusted. Now, there's times that we need to look back and to build up faith within our hearts and our lives, to remind ourselves of the victories that we already had in Christ. And as we consider how God was with us in every season of our life, so we need to deal with our past, look for God's hand in it. We need to learn from our past and Realize that God was with us right from the beginning. This will help you trust him and press on with God this morning. Then our last we thought is to then use our past to help us now in the present. When David offered to go and fight Goliath, King Saul, um, he wouldn't allow it for the same reason that we often hold people back in Christian service. Now, David was a young man, and some of the observations of Saul weren't incorrect. He just failed to see God in it. All he could see was man in it. That's what happens when the Lord's not your shepherd. Saul was the great king, so called of Israel, but the Lord was not his shepherd, you see. The very problem we're dealing with with Saul. Saul was his own shepherd. He knew better than the great king. And when Saul was presented with David. David said simply this, that David was too young to make a difference. 
and too inexperienced to be of any use. And church, we must realize that it's our responsibility to raise up the next generation to carry on the work of the ministry. And that means we need to be careful that we don't miss what God is doing around us and, and speak thing over, things over people's lives, especially people, young people with a fire in their belly. Things like you're too young to know what you're talking about. You're too inexperienced. What would you know about it? We need to be careful of how we speak and raise up the next generation. Satan uses these same lies to hold you and I back from fully trusting God and the Lord as our shepherd. And Paul warns Timothy about this type of spirit in 1 Timothy 4. And he says this, Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. But be an example to all believers in all you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. But I love the way the ESV starts it off. Let no one despise your youth. If you ever go on with the Lord, you will know what it is to be despised. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Some people don't like to see anybody go on, but it makes them, it's reminded themselves of where they're not going on. But don't worry about that. Do not be despised, church. Go on for God. Whether you're young today, whether you're old today, I want to apply this to us all. Let no one despise your seal for God. Amen? Young or old, doesn't matter. You have a fire in your belly, well, use it and press on for God and let nobody pull it out. And here's a wee simple instruction to all who have that fire in their belly this morning. And learn from it, because this is the way of godliness. There's people about today that claim they have a fire in their belly, but how they act will tell you a different story. And this is what the Bible says for the man, the woman of God, to, who has a fire in their belly to act, and how we are to be. We are to be an example. What's that mean? We're to be an example to every generation, young and old. That means we don't be arrogant. We walk in godliness. We're to be an example, it says, in your conduct. Young people, be an example. If you believe you're of the Lord and truly believe that God's a call in your life, well, walk and be an example in how you live. It doesn't mean become a, a nun now. Let's not get confused. We all lack a bit of crack. Don't become somewhat of a, an oddball in trying to be godly, but in your conduct, honor God. You'll often find if, you, if how you're living honors your granny, you'll not be far away from honoring God. Is that a fair thing to say? If granny's pleased, you can find the Lord and not be too far. Hope that's not blasphemy. Hope you hear what I'm trying to say there. My granny would hit you a clout if you weren't acting well. That's what I know. In your speech, be an example in your speech. All this stuff's simple and it's mighty. Oh, enough the church would walk in it. In your faith and in your love for the brethren. Now, Saul, Saul refused this young David who had a fire for God. What an example this young man was. Remember, he stood when all else set. But Saul refused the young David. But, but David persisted because he had a call of God in his life and he knew it. But David struggled to see God and all that was going on around him. And, and what we see is that he, he started to look into his past. He started to consider God, how God had been so good to him this far. And so he tells Saul about it, that how he, God had used him and protected him, and, and especially when he faced that lion and that bear. And he gives examples from his life. 
David proved to his elders around him the example of a man that he was. He was a man of faith. And listen to his words. He says, it was the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion. He, he, he knew God. Do you see there's no boast there? Do you see there was no arrogance? He didn't say, listen, Saul, I did this great act. But the Lord did it. He understood that had the Lord not been with him, had he not really been a shepherd, he was a dead man. Believers, <clears throat> as you look past to your back, if you look back to your past, maybe use your past and how God moved before for you as a launch pot in the service now and not as a hindrance to hold you back. David used his past victories to encourage himself to face giants. I've mentioned this before, that God is faithful then. If God was faithful then, he'd be faithful now. But there's something I want to mention about giants. Because giants come in many forms. <clears throat> I tell you, <clears throat> on Thursday evening there was a giant faced many families from our church. I tell you, last Saturday I stood at a funeral of another man's family and they were faced with some giants. And giants come in many, many forms. <clears throat> it could be bad health, could be your giant this morning. Financial ruin this morning could be your giant. The relationship in your marriage could be your giant. Maybe your mind is your giant this morning. Depression can be a giant. Maybe you're ill this morning, terminally ill this morning. What a giant. They come in many forms. You see that? And when faced with these giants, we are often stood before them somewhat powerless. And I guess it's only in these times, as, as David found himself, that we learn what it really means to say with David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I believe it has to be a journey that we can earn the right to say such things. Even though the new babe in Christ can say, the Lord's my shepherd, I believe it's only those, the mature, that can really understand its depth. And David penned these words from a lifetime of experience. And later in life, David began to understand that perhaps many of you here today who's walked many years with God understand that God had loved him and protected, protected him. And we are called the great flock of God, and he's the great shepherd. But listen, church, we need to be reminded that we're not just one of many, many other people. But he knows us by name. He knows you by name this morning. It says he formed you in your mother's womb. This is the God that, that we're talking about as your shepherd. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows when we rise up and we sit down. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. But then there's an interesting psalm because what I'm talking about this morning is knowing that the Lord is our shepherd when we can see him nowhere. And the psalmist writes this, he says, God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. Imagine that. He didn't just catch them, but he took time to sit down. Every tear you've ever shed, Every time you've ever questioned him, every time you've ever suffered great loss or, or great doubt and, and your world has fallen around you, he sat down, he's caught the tears and he's recorded it in his book with your name on it. That in itself is a wonderful topic that ought to be looked at more. 
Is it any wonder David was able to say, the Lord is my shepherd? I'm going to close now. There's that wee term I shall not want. I'm not going to go into much depth at all, really, but what a statement. I shall not want. In a time we live in, around our world, where people have perhaps never been so lost and so needy and so self-consumed yet so empty. I think that's a fair description. I was listening to one of Darren Mulligan's songs. I'm not into music, but one of the lyrics talked about lying before a phone, playing with his phone, and an overwhelming sense of emptiness filled his soul. Have you ever experienced that? The world will rob and suck and leave us dry. But yet David says, I shall not want. In a time where our world is just so empty, so self-consumed that they have no thought of the great shepherd and therefore paying the price. But the people of God ought to be able to say, now, this is a challenge to me too, I ought to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want because why? Because he's my portion. Not as I sit and act all holy, but as I try to live my life for God, I've realized that every step of the way, even when I've fallen flat, He's been there to pick me up. Is that your testimony this morning? So in that regard, let us not shy away from telling others about this Christ, that they too can know him as their own great shepherd. And all must, one must do to be saved is to acknowledge they've sinned against God, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and confess him as their Lord. That's all one need do to be saved. It's all I did. Be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is a wonderful thing. Now here's one we thought as we close. Remember that the Lord is not disappointed in you. That's something I feel I have to keep saying this morning. It's a lie. It's a lie. And verse 4, David says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the dark valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I shared this quote before, but I want to share it again this morning as we're just really grasping the Lord as our shepherd this morning. What is this staff? There's many interpretations. Here's my only one. The, the rod was to keep the world off David and the staff to keep David off the world. It's wonderful. And this rod is likened to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. See, the Lord keeps his church off of sin. And keeps sin off of his church. It's a wonderful truth. It's a wonderful truth. The Lord keeps his church off of sin. And sin off of his church. And therefore church we have a right standing with God. And through faith in Christ. We can say this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. I'm going to ask the team to come. I want to just pray. There's three areas I want to pray into your life this morning. Um, if, you, if you want to. Open your heart to God. You do business this morning. I believe the Spirit quickens us and heals us and brings us through. Perhaps this morning you're dealing with the past and you need help to deal with your past. Bring that before God this morning. Maybe you have dealt with your past but you're not sure what to do with it. You need help to learn from your past that you would be strengthened from it, from your experience this far to make sure you don't make the same mistakes but in fact go on to use your experience for good. And able to use our past to equip us as a launch pad for Christian service.
We're just going to come around the Lord's table too as we make our way around this, but I want to just pray at this moment. Amen to this. Maybe just close your eyes this moment and just let God speak to you this morning. Maybe you've got want in your life, believer, this morning. Confess that to him. Hide nothing from him. Pretense is nothing. has no place in the house of God. Transparency and openness with God will bring favor and blessing to your life. So, Father, we thank you this morning as we briefly considered yet again this mighty man of God, young David. You grew into a man who served you faithfully but made many, many mistakes along the way. Father, we can take, Lord, comfort in that, knowing that even men like David, God, tripped up and made mistakes at times, at times doubted you, God, and at times maybe did things his way and cut out the voice of the Spirit in his life. Lord, we each can, Lord, confess this morning that we know too well what it is to become Lord of our own life. Lord, would you help us this morning to God, yet again, reinstate you as the Lord, as our shepherd, the one who leads us and guides us, the one in whom we trust in God this morning. And fathers, we've touched on briefly the need to, Lord, not only deal with our past, but, but to take our past, to look for you in it, and then use it, God, as a, as a platform, as a launch pad, Lord, to quicken us and, and better us today for others. Lord, I just do pray for that person this morning that needs help in dealing with past that, Lord, you would touch their very inner being today, today, God. That, Lord, they would find a, a warmth of healing, God, even in their, in their heart this morning, God, as you minister to them. Lord, maybe for that person that has perhaps dealt with their past but are struggling to see how that can help them in their present, Lord, I pray you would enlighten them this morning with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you've allowed nothing to happen to us, Lord, that you will not use for good. There's nothing that we have not experienced, the Lord, that we cannot use to either help others or to help ourselves to press on. All the things that, Lord, that happened to us that shouldn't have happened, Lord, well, let us make sure that they don't happen under our watch, in our home, in our family, God. Lord, that we, we will learn, Lord, what not to do from the things that were done to us. But, Lord, perhaps we were that person who did stuff, God. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, in Christ and through confession, God, that, Lord, we've been forgiven. And Lord, we know that we are to put things right with our, our brother, with our families if we can. And Lord, I pray even that is a hindrance for somebody today. God, that they have acknowledged they've been saved and been forgiven, but there's still things that need to be put right with other people. Maybe a simple apology, God. But Lord, you would press that into our spirit to help us deal with our past and to learn from it. But Lord, perhaps one of the greatest things is to the strength to use our past, Lord, not to hold us back, but to, to use us for greater service in the kingdom and life. And Father, we pray this morning, Lord, I pray this morning that, Lord, you would, Lord, minister into each of our hearts, that we will find ourselves, Lord, built up and, Lord, strong here today. Lord, leaving with clarity, saying, with great understanding of, Lord, how to move forward, God, and set our past where it ought to be, God. And, Lord, to live our lives now, Lord, that for those people this morning that, Lord, struggle to allow themselves to be happy, Lord, you've blessed them with many good things and your goodness and your mercies, it's, it's upon them, Lord. But because of their past, Lord, they're unable to allow themselves to enjoy these things. Father, I pray you would minister to them this morning in Jesus' name, Lord, that they would know freedom, God, this morning. That that joy would be able to, Lord, to flow past through the hurt, through the, 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 them, them barriers, God, and into the soul, 
into that innermost being and that joy would be allowed to reside there, that all falsehood would be cast out, God, that all self-blame and rejection would be gone in Jesus' name. But Lord, we would rise up this morning, not in our strength, but in the strength that it is to be saved and born again this morning. Lord, that we would leave this assembly this morning walking in the, in the, in the spirit of God, in the favor of God, and the blessing of God. Lord, with our past in our mindset, but Lord, with our future, God, in our mind, Lord, that we would press on, Lord, and not allow the past to stop us from going on in the future, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.